I Read Comics, show number 81. Sunday. It's the day after the Saturday of WonderCon, and I'm not there. I'm home instead recording this. And you know what? I'm really glad I'm not there because it is raining outside, and doing a con in the rain is one of my least favorite things to do. It wasn't raining yesterday. It was not a beautiful day, but a nice day, and it was even warm into the evening, which is a big surprise. There were so many people at WonderCon, it looked like Comic-Con, and that's what everybody else seemed to think, too. So I think it's great that there were so many people there. Um, It shows that WonderCon isn't sort of the bastard uh, child next to Comic-Con, the big one in San Diego. But it did make it a little bit hard to get around. Uh, Walking around on the floor was a challenge, trying to find the places to go. This year, they had a lot more celebrities who were signing autographs. So that whole area where the people were doing autographs just had lines and lines, and it was impossible to get through there. Artist Alley and the small press area was very well attended, so that was really nice to see. And all of the big players had their usual big booths. So it was a good day. I was exhausted by the end of it. We did the podcasting panel, which turned out really well. I thought it was much nicer having audience participation this time. So if anybody who's listening now was there, thanks for coming. And we really enjoyed being able to talk to people. The iFanboy guys who were doing the panel with me and Logan kindly recorded the whole thing, so I will have that up as a podcast on this show as soon as they get me the audio file. And one of the things we promoted at the uh, panel was the book that's coming out from Tomorrow's, and it's called The Comic Podcasting Companion, and it's great. It has profiles of all the uh, comics podcasts, as far as I can tell, and I'm in it. So I would encourage you to go pre-order it either at Amazon or Tomorrow's because it'll be good if you want to know anything about comic podcasts and if you want to get a guide to the other podcasts that are out there. So I picked up a bunch of books. I got, let me see, what's in my pile here? I got Jinx, which is uh, Bendis before he started doing other stuff. This is the Image publication. And I had reviewed Torso on the show a while ago and talked about how much I liked it. And this is very much in the same film noirish vein. It's a great big book, and I was really happy to get it. So Jinx, a graphic crime novel. I also got... Uh, where's my other books? Uh, Superman in the 60s, with an introduction by Mark Wade because I just love these DC collections of all the weird crack that happened in Superman at that time. And then I got a copy of Two-Fisted Science, which is GT Labs, and it's published by Jim Ottoviani, who I would like to have on this show at some point. I'm just so into real science kinds of books. I'm really excited about finally getting to look at that. And I picked up a few other smaller things, which I will get around to review on the show. I also went to the Star Trek panel because I wanted to see who was there, and as you probably know, they had the uh, stars of the movie Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, and Zoe Saldana, and J.J. Abrams was the moderator. And they showed a new trailer for it, which incorporated some of the footage from the other trailers that were out. I still can't tell what kind of story that the movie is going to tell from the trailer. trailer was a lot of things blowing up and people arguing with each other and exciting stuff happening in outer space, but you can't tell what the story is. So that didn't thrill me, especially. 
It was nice to hear Abrams talking about how respectful of canon this is supposed to be. We'll see. That's all I can say. But the movie is coming out pretty soon. I didn't get to see any of the Watchmen stuff, although there was a ton of Watchmen stuff happening around the con, but they did have a preview showing of it on Friday night, and I'm sure that other people will be blogging about that. And I also sat in for the last half of a panel about the anthropology of Star Trek, which was really interesting. And it was a very free-ranging discussion about how it's important to look at the society and the anthropology of things that happened in all the different Star Trek series and how they're a reflection of our society and how it often reflects norms as far as culture and racism and sexism and things like that. So that was really, really good. It was at the very end of the day and there was still a lot of discussion happening around it. So that was good. I'll probably talk a little bit more about that on the other podcast that I do, the Star Trek one called Look at His Butt. And I want to put in one more plug before I get to the stuff that I recorded at WonderCon, which is that um, with the Star Trek podcast, we are turning it into a live show, which is going to happen at the end of March, March 28th, 11.30 p.m. down in Palo Alto for anybody who's local. And uh, it's going to be not really a live version of the podcast, but it'll have some material from the podcast and some original skits that we've written ourselves. So if you're at all interested, um, check over on the Look at His Butt blog, which is lookathisbutt.blogspot.com, and it'll have all the information for how you can get there. And one other thing that I wanted to mention briefly that happened this weekend, I didn't even find out about it until this morning, was that my favorite, one of my favorite live journal communities, Scans Daily, that I've talked about here many times, got shut down because of terms of service violation. And I don't think that was really a surprise, but um, it's amazing that they didn't do it for such a long time, and then suddenly they did. It's not really clear why it got shut down at this time, but it's going to pop up somewhere else. There's already a version of it over on Insane Journal, which is the alternative to Live Journal. And there is a live journal community called No Scans Daily, which is just the discussion without the actual scans. Um, I was reading this morning a couple of different boards and what comments there were on it. And it seems to people fall into two camps. One is that Scans Daily was an abomination because people posted too many scans. And if you read the scans, you wouldn't have to buy the books. And so it was violation of copyright and therefore it should have been taken down. It was evil. And also a lot of people saying that it seemed like Scans Daily was just complaining about comic books, which I personally didn't feel to be the case at all. It was mostly discussion and some complaining, and also a lot of calling attention to things that really needed to have attention called to them, like sexism and racism and tired stuff happening again and again and inconsistencies in stories. And that's what you have to do if you're a fan, right? Isn't that kind of the purpose of fandom? The other camp is the camp that I fall into, which is to say I really enjoyed Scans Daily and it didn't make me buy less comics. It made me buy more comics because it introduced me to a lot of things that I would never have looked at otherwise and just made me aware that there were a lot of other things out there that I was missing and that would be good to spend my money on. So I think my impression is that it was opening comics up to a lot of people who wouldn't have been aware of them otherwise. In one of the comment threads I saw, maybe it was at CBR, people were saying, oh, well, you shouldn't rely on this to, you know, help you buy comics. Go into your local comic book store and ask your friends for recommendations. And you know what? For a lot of people, that's not an option. And for me, most of the time, that's not an option because I don't get to the comic book store all that frequently 
my schedule doesn't allow it. I've got too many other things to do. I tend to buy a lot of graphic novels and things over the internet, and I don't have the time or the inclination to check 27 different blogs to get recommendations on things that might be good. And additionally, you know what? I like to read a little bit for myself as a sample and then decide if I think I'm going to like it or not, rather than just taking somebody's word that I might like it and buy it sight unseen and, and maybe really hate it. So I appreciated the, the little free sample part and it didn't kill my desire to own anything. It made me want it even more. And this is true not just for new comics, but for old things as well. And that's one of the things I loved about Scans Daily is that people would post old comics and public domain comics and web comics and um, Japanese comics that had only been available as fan translations, as scanlations, so that I could see all kinds of stuff that I wasn't aware of. So personally, my opinion is that Scans Daily did way more good than it did harm and that even though it probably crossed the line in giving away copyrighted material, it did so to a much larger extent of bringing in new people. And to quote from the Cupaw guys, that's the way the industry is going. The model of having to go into the comic book store every week to figure out what you wanted and buying those same titles that you always bought isn't going to hold up for that much longer because that's not the way people are consuming media anymore. And like the record companies, you got to work with this new format and figure out how to make money off of it. That's the big question, right? You have to embrace it and figure out how you can get people to pay for stuff and how you can use things like Scans Daily to translate it into free publicity for something where you're actually going to get some dollars. And I think um, the record companies have taken so long to come around to this, and they still haven't really come around to it yet, but they're starting to understand that the, the old model can't hold up, right? In the 80s, it was home taping is killing the music industry, and you know, then it was Napster is killing the music industry and iTunes is going to kill the music industry. Well, you know what? It didn't. iTunes saved the music industry. And if people think that making comics available on the internet is going to kill comic book industries, well, if that happens, it's only because they were too stupid to figure out how to use it to their advantage. So, you know, get clever and figure out how to make the money because there's money to be made off of it. So, sorry, I didn't mean that to turn into a little rant, but that was what was occurring to me. And one of the people I talked to um, at the con, you'll hear this, was Brad Rader, who I've talked to on the show before, and I've reviewed his stuff, and he talks about a new thing that they have at, um, well, you'll hear him talk about it, but it's a new way of presenting comics online, and he says the challenge is to find a way to make money off of it. And I don't doubt that there is a way to make money off of it, but you can't just say it won't work without trying. So anyway, let's get to the interviews. They're very short, um, except for the very last one, which is with Stan Sakai. And at this point, I do want to give my deep and heartfelt thanks to Leah Hernandez, Diva Leah, who put me in touch with Stan, and for also putting me in touch with some other people who sadly I did not get to talk to at the con, but maybe we'll have those interviews coming up later on. So um, let's get to it. You'll hear these in order, and that'll be our show.
So, tell me who you are, David. All right. <laughs> I'm uh, David Brothers of fourthletter.net and writersoldfashion.com, and I'm working in the booth at, here at WonderCon. And it's really crowded today. Yeah, it's actually kind of hard to get through all the aisles. Yeah, it is. It's good. So, um, what are you doing? What's what's exciting for you right now? Uh, it's exciting for me is this is my first big con where I'm working behind the table as uh-huh. opposed to walking past the tables. Mm-hmm. So, it's a lot of fun uh, talking to new people, I selling know. my friends' books, and kind of uh, pitching and working on my salesmanship. Yeah. And what was the biggest thing for you in 2008? Uh... Goodness. You Probably got famous. You I got famous in the comics blogosphere because of your amazing insightful writing. Yeah. That was I ended up uh, buying a Darwin Cook page that was pretty important to me as part of my Black History Month series. Cool. And this year hopefully something similar. Yeah. So what is your big plan for two thousand nine? Uh, Besides I just, making it through this con. Yeah, that's gonna be tough. <laughs> uh, I just finished writing Black History Month two thousand nine, cool. which has been much uh, a huge reception, really made me happy. And I'm looking to do something big again in April, possibly like a cross-block conversation with some friends or just something to kind of keep the momentum going. Yeah, that's great. Cool. Well, thanks. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, to thanks talk for talking to me. me. Hi, I'm Brad Rader. And you're here at WonderCon. I'm you're here at WonderCon. I'm Flaming Artist Press. Yeah. I'm also showing my um, the galley of my latest graphic novel for um, D- uh, DC Vertigo, the crime noir line. Cool. Um, it's called Fog Town. Um, it takes place in San Francisco in 1953. Wow. And it should be out, published in September, I'm hoping. Oh, that's very exciting. Yes. Now, you also have an online Flash comic thing. Uh, well, that's um, uh, Savage, Savage Wild in Corrigan. Yeah. Um, we've done two episodes of it. Um, we're going to try and put together a pitch and pitch it to, like, um, various movie studios and Very cartoon exciting. networks and stuff. That's great. I looked at it. I'm, I'm planning on reviewing it on the show as soon as cool. I can go through it a little further. But that's very exciting and very innovative. How did you get involved in that? Um, well, it was John Eddings' idea. John Eddings was a favorite, a fellow storyboard artist when I was working on King of the Hill. He and Chuck Austin were roommates at the King of the Hill Studios. Mm-hmm. Chuck Austin was the um, artist on... Um, he did a bunch of stuff for Marvel and DC back in the early aughts. Uh-huh. Um, now he's, then he was working with storyboards on King of the Hill, and uh, they had the idea of doing an online comic distribution website called eSpinnerRack.com, right. uh-huh. and um, they uh, talked me into collaborating on a strip, and it turned out to be much more difficult than we anticipated. Um, it took me two months solid of work to do my episode, and it wasn't even like part-time. It was like I was actually laid off, and it still took me two months. Wow. Um, I mean, because I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, and then, but, you know, so John did the second episode, and it took him a long time, too. And then, you know, so, um, so, yeah. Do you think that that's going to be a viable uh, channel? I will have to figure out how to get people to pay for it. Um, you know, that's, that's the whole thing, unless you can afford to work for free um, or work, you know, part-time, you know, at night. Um, that's, that was the original intention. We thought it would be that little of work. It turned out to be much more consuming time-wise. It's kind of parallel in a way to now there are applications that let you read comics on your iPhone, but formatted for an iPhone. So it's sort of in a rectangular format, and there's just a couple. Right. Well, I time. saw the uh, well, uh, the, f- the first installment of the Watchmen motion comic. Yeah. That's very much kind of what we're doing, except that um, they had more animation, mm-hmm. 
and they had voice actors right. and music. Um, Somebody told me about it. So yeah, it's like other people have the same idea. Yeah, it's very cool. Anything else coming up in 2009 we should know about? Um, well, I just got laid off from King of the Hill, so I'm available. Um, okay. Um, just um, the, the graphic novel will be coming out. And um, I got a number of um, my own projects that I, I will not have time to work on. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what's next. That's cool. And where did you get the name Corrigan for this? Is it from Crash Corrigan? I don't know. You have to ask John Eddings, okay. the writer. Okay. came up with it. All right. I'll try and find out. Okay. That's cool. Well, he's, um, he's working right now. He's working on... At Fox TV Animation on the Cleveland TV show, which is a spinoff from The Family Guy. Right. Okay. Yeah, he's working on that. That's cool. Very cool. Well, it, I love the title. Savage, Wild, and Corrigan is an excellent title. Oh, that's his title. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool. Well, thanks very much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk. Well, and thank we'll you very for, much thank look you. forward to this coming out. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I'm Matt Sillity. I'm the creator of uh, the AIT Planet Lair graphic novel, The Homeless Channel. And I'm a teacher of comics, at, or senior lecturer of comics. And you've been a regular on this show. I know, I know. I'm so excited to be back. So tell me what's going on. Oh, well, it's been a really exciting year because uh, this last year I kind of spread myself out in the world of comics a little bit more. I worked at Isotope Comics as, uh, for an entire year, uh, which I just finished up. And then I've been teaching comics at the California College of the Arts. Um, which has been really nice because uh, this time last year I did my first workshop and those students all created comics. That's right, you told us about this. You went right. to the, the museum and you had them like looking around. Yeah, and, and then what happened, they took the comics they did for class and they got a table sponsored by CC at, at Ape. And they all sold their first comics. Oh wow, how exciting. So now I've got a new batch of students who are going through the cycle again. So I'm really excited about That's that. That's amazing, that is just great. I. I that's like so innovative, I mean, that's a stupid word, but it's like, yeah. what a concept, taking it from beginning to end and actually having them see what it's like to do the process and not just learn about the process. Yeah, originally I was really disappointed that Ape moved to the fall. I was like, oh boy, I don't know if the show's going to be able to uh, stand the move, but it actually has worked out really well for the cycle, for the students. And so I'm teaching them, and they're actually, the students are around here today. Uh, it's their field trip again. And uh, yeah, so that's been going on, and then I've been continuing to work on my own, my own stuff. I've got... Uh, the graphic novel that I was talking about last year that I'm still doing the art for. I'm doing photo shoots down in L.A. in a couple weeks for that again. And then I'm writing a script, trying to write a script for another artist for the first time. So I'm doing lots of research. It's, uh, it's a historical fiction graphic novel uh, about the Chicago Fire. Great. So do you have anything that's coming out in 2000? Uh -huh. Fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed. Check. Uh, you'll be able to check previews by the end of the year, and, and there'll be something listed in there, which, which will be the one that I'm working on then writing and drawing myself. That's cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, it seems to me WonderCon is more crowded this year than it was last this year. Is, this is a this is Comic -Con suffocating crowd. It's amazing. I, I'm not complaining about that at all. It, I, I went upstairs and looked out at those windows that you can look over the whole thing and I was like, wow, it looks like Comic-Con. It does. It really does. Really it's a big deal. And really I think the fact that it's not raining this year helped because last year it was oh. raining a little bit. It kept some people away, but yeah. it's quite amazing. Quite no, and, amazing. and the costumes are out in full force. It's, it's, it's a spectacle. Yeah. Cool. So. All right. Well, great. Well, thanks for uh, giving me a couple minutes. Just to start, this is Stan Sakai. Very happy to be talking to you here at this incredibly crowded WonderCon. This is the most crowded I've ever seen it. I've been coming for oh, about really? five years. Oh, really? This is my first WonderCon ever. It's more like Comic-Con this year yes. than anything else. There's just a ton of people.
people. So you had an opening last night. At the I had the art opening at the that, Cartoon Art Museum. Yeah, how did that go? It was wonderful. I've got about 60 pieces there ranging from uh, very early Usagi sketches, like from 1982, even before the, uh, the first uh, story got published, uh-huh. all the way up to the present. Uh, actually, the, uh, I think uh, Dark Horse Usagi number 118 came out this week, and the cover is uh, exhibited in the, in the uh, museum. That's wonderful. Is this the first exhibit that you've had of your cartoon art? Uh, no, I've had been exhibited from all over the world, from uh, the Japan Tower in Belgium to the, uh, the National uh, Bande Dessinée uh, Gallery in Angoulême, France, to Spain. Uh, you know. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to ask you about... Um, do you feel like your comics, and, and Usagi in particular, is kind of a channel for people to understand more about Japanese history and, and style? I mean, you put that in on purpose. Right, I do a lot of research about for Usagi, uh-huh. uh, within reason. Still, it's, you know, primary goal is entertainment. But I do a lot of research, uh, both in the history and the culture and folklore of Japan. And it just adds more depth to the character and the uh, Usagi's world, because I feel that you know, the more research you do only enhances the story. Right. Even the slightest, um, you know, mistake as far as research goes uh, would ruin even the best written story. So I, I try to do as much research as I can because I think that besides being an entertainment medium, comics can also be an educational medium. Yeah, absolutely. Which, uh, you know, I'm in favor of. Uh, Usagi has won a Parents' Choice Award, a National um, a library award, the American Library Award. It's also in a lot of libraries and uh, schools. Would you consider it part of the manga movement that's gaining so much, um, you know, bigness here in the United States um, right now? It, it's not quite. What it's people not think really of. manga because the story, st- storytelling style is very Western. It's just the subject matter is Japanese. But like I said, uh, my style of storytelling is what is influenced b- more by the West than I am by Japan. Though I did read manga even as a kid, uh, you know, uh, in the 60s, I read things like, uh, you know, Osamu Tezuka's work, of course. They they just had a big Tezuka exhibition last year at the Asian Art Museum here in in San Francisco. It was wonderful to see everything. They had arranged it chronologically. Oh, really? you could see the very, very early stuff through Astro Boy and Blackjack, too. I got to meet Dr. Tezuka a couple of times. He came to the San Diego Con, uh, I think, twice. And actually, uh, 10 years ago, I was a guest of, uh, to Japan as uh, a guest of uh, Osamu Tezuka Productions. Wow, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah, it's very yeah. nice. And they're coming out with an Astro Boy movie. I just saw the yeah, trailer for Yeah, I did too, yeah. I went to see Coraline. I was like, oh, oh wow, this looks really oh, good. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, in uh, Takadazuka, Japan, just outside Kyoto, there's a Tezuka museum that's just wonderful. It's incredible. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, knowing that Usagi isn't really manga, what do you think is re- responsible for all the manga that's suddenly so popular here? It's just an explosion in the last five years. I don't know, but it's <laughs> great. I mean, it's gotten um, more kids interested in reading, Absolutely. reading comic books. Yeah. And it's not just in the U.S., but all over the world. In France, uh, manga accounts for you know a large percentage of all the books that are published in, in, in Japan. Yeah. I mean, in France. The funny thing is, in Japan, they aren't manga publishers. They're just, just book, book publishers. publishers. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And manga just happens to be one of their divisions. So I think that's great. I, I wish we had you know, that kind of system yeah. here in the U.S. I think it, it's growing a little bit. And, and one of the things that's great to see is the number of translations that are being done of things that are 
um, more outside what you would normally consider uh -huh. manga stories. Like there's one called Yatsuba that I'm, I love. It's about a little girl. Oh. And it's just a day-to-day -day story of what she does all the time. But the storytelling is so beautiful and perfect. Right, right, right. It's, it's not superheroes and it's not crazy mm -hmm. monsters. It's not mm -hmm. Pokemon, anything like that. Oh, they've got manga about every type of subject. Yeah. I think Dr. Typhoon is one of the, uh, the longest uh, running manga and it's about golfing. Yeah. Or uh, Sanpei, fish crazy Sanpei uh, is a fisherman. He goes all over the world to catch fish. Yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. So what's coming up for you in 2009? Well, 2009 is Usagi's 25th anniversary. Uh -huh. And uh, besides regular comic books, uh, Dark, I mean, Fantagraphics is publishing the complete Fantagraphics Usagi. Oh, wow. And this is be a two-volume hardcover slipcase edition. Oh, their editions are so beautiful. Yeah, and this is coming out in June. Oh, what a coup for them. Yeah, <laughs> and July would be the uh, book 23, uh -huh. um, Bridge of Tears from Dark Horse. Uh -huh. That's in July, uh, July. In November, I'm work well, I'm working on a, an original graphic novel. Oh. And it will be fully painted in watercolor, and that's oh. coming out in November. That's called Usagi Jimbo Yokai. Uh -huh. It's about the ghosts and all the haunts and the creatures of uh, Japanese folklore. Oh, wow. That yeah. sounds wonderful. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing that. That's really great. Um, and you got a line here, so I'll, I'll just ask one more question. Um, from your point of view, if people like Usagi and the things that you do, what else would you recommend that they read? Oh, I love Bone. Uh, I mean, even though it's so uh, finished, uh, Rasso, uh, Jeff Smith's new series uh -huh. is terrific. Um, you know, there's so many good things out there, and so anybody who's interested in, in comic books can find something that um, would suit their interests. Yeah, great. Thank you. Well, thanks so much oh, for taking thank the you. time. I really appreciate it. Sure, my it. pleasure.